Hello, and welcome to Campus Crime Chronicles. I'm your host, Nicole Turner, college professor, PhD student, and true crime addict. In every episode of this podcast, I take a deep dive into some sort of true crime that occurred on a school campus or is associated with a college or university in some way. For each episode, I rate the seriousness of the crime from one to five on my very own serious crime scale, with one being completely not serious, possibly even a little humorous from time to time, to five being very serious. Y'all, guess what? We finally have a one. (laughs) Yep, that's right. This episode is rated a one, the first official one on my serious crime scale that I've ever rated. And I'd be lying if I didn't admit that I'm kind of excited to finally have an episode that is, yes, slightly humorous to say the least. I feel like after all of the previous episodes, this was a long time coming. (laughs) So let's just say I guarantee you'll let out a little chuckle or giggle at some point or at the very least, maybe even crack a little smile and shake your head. I mean, what else can you do? Because these two stories that I'm about to tell you, yes, I said stories, involve not one, not two, not three, but four college students who made some pretty dumb decisions after a day full of, you guessed it, drinking alcohol. The first story I'm going to tell you is about a trio of Ohio State students who decided it would be a good idea to go on a little adventure after an all-day binger at a golf tournament. And that adventure, surprise, surprise, ended with all three of them being hauled off to jail in handcuffs. The second story I'm going to tell you about is, well, very similar, but it's just about one student, a Worcester Polytechnic Institute student, or WPI for short, who was visiting New Mexico on a school assignment. This student basically made the same dumb decision as the three in the first story, but he did it solely by himself. And I mean, they were slightly different circumstances, but there is definitely a theme here. This episode is titled Misadventures of the Drunken Kind. So, without further ado, let's get started. story starts off on Saturday, May 31st, 2014 in Dublin, Ohio. It was during the annual memorial tournament, and because I'm not familiar with golf, like, at all, I definitely had to look up exactly what the memorial tournament is because no news reports expanded on it, and apparently everybody but me knows it's a days-long annual pro golfing tournament held at Muirfield Village Golf Club in Dublin. And let me just say, the place looks bougie, like super nice and fancy and uppity, all that stuff. Oh, and the tournament is also founded and hosted by Jack Nicklaus. 
Now, that guy's name I actually do recognize, as I'm sure most of you do, too. If you don't, he's a super famous pro golfer. Basically, he's the only other golfer's name I know besides Tiger Woods. But anyway, back to the story. Three Ohio State students, 21-year-old Samuel Cochran, 20-year-old Joseph Leonard, and 21-year-old Karsten Rahm spent the whole day at this tournament. And I can only imagine that those tickets were not cheap. Like, seriously, who, like, what 20-year-olds just get to go to a pro golfing tournament? So that might help paint the picture of the type of students we are dealing with here. Of course, not to stereotype, just saying. Draw some conclusions, people. Their mugshots are actually on my Instagram and Facebook page, at Campus Crime Podcast, if you want to put some faces to their names. Now, I'm not sure exactly what you do at pro golf tournaments because, I mean, I've never been to one. I mean, besides obviously stand to the side and clap silently, but I can imagine that lots of alcohol is consumed by spectators, right? Especially when those spectators are 20-something-year-old college students. And I can also imagine how incredibly intoxicated those college students must have been by the end of the day. Now, reports don't elaborate on much, but at some point toward the end of the day, actually early into the next morning on Sunday, June 1st, 2014, the three men decided to go on a little adventure. And a little adventure they did have. Apparently, one of them, Samuel Cochran, lived on Tartan Fields Drive, which is less than four miles from the Muirfield Village Golf Club where the tournament was being held, as I previously mentioned. In the wee hours of the morning, what these guys were still doing up at 3 a.m., I have no idea. But, I mean, if you're still drinking at 3 a.m. when you've been drinking all day, can you imagine how incredibly inebriated you must be? Well, so back to the story. In the wee hours of the morning, the trio broke into a home on that same street just a few houses down through the garage. According to an article in The Lantern, the Ohio State campus newspaper, the homeowners awoke to noises and heard the suspects scattering, and at approximately 3 a.m. on June 1st, a 911 dispatcher received a call from the homeowners. The dispatcher asked the homeowners, Someone just broke into your house? The woman replied, Yes, my husband just heard them in our house. They were in our home. Then the dispatcher interrupted her and asked, Do you know where they're at now? The woman, sounding completely dumbfounded, said, they drove away in our car. On the call, the homeowner doesn't sound super frantic or scared, just more surprised and perhaps a little concerned and perplexed, almost as if she couldn't believe what was actually happening and that she actually had to call the police or something like this. To put a little more perspective on the community, ABC6 News interviewed one neighbor in the area and he said, quote, the golf tournament is right in the backyard right now, so there's a lot of additional folks in and around the area, but we've never had any issues even during the tournament, end quote. Once police were notified of the incident, it didn't take them long to locate the stolen vehicle, which was a silver Mercedes, by the way. According to WBNS 10 TV in Ohio, the three students didn't get very far after jacking the vehicle either because they were found and pulled over for questioning only about a quarter of a mile away. However, in their drunken stupor, I guess they thought it would be a really good idea to take off running on foot. 
So these dudes scattered and attempted to make a run for it. However, because they were incredibly intoxicated, and I'm assuming they probably weren't able to run that fast, they were soon caught, but not before making police work just a little bit for it. One of them, according to the Lantern and other news reports, was caught pretty quickly without incident. Whatever that means. I'm guessing he was just like, okay, okay, I give up. I'm, I'm sick of running, so just take me now. I mean, that's definitely how I would be. But then again, I wouldn't be stealing a car or trying to run from the police. Anyway, another one fell into a pond that was right there in the area, but was fine and pulled out to safety. And the third was located in the woods with the help of a canine deputy after about an hour long search. Y'all, they had to get a freaking dog to look for the dude. Tell me, please tell me, between one of them falling into the pond and another trying to hide in the woods, that that doesn't make you chuckle. I bet when the three students woke up that morning to go to the tournament, they had zero intentions of ending their night in jail, but that is exactly what happened. According to WBNS 10 TV, the students were charged with aggravated burglary, theft of a vehicle, and fleeing and eluding, and they all spent Sunday night in the Delaware County Jail in Ohio. On Monday morning, June 2nd, 2014, they were arraigned and each released on $10,000 bond. However, I have no idea what their actual sentence was in the months following. Like, the news just doesn't cover it or follow up with their hearings. So I'm assuming the judge gave them some extensive community service rather than any jail time. But, I mean, I couldn't confirm that with any sources. I did look them all up on social media, though, to see what they were all doing now. I was able to officially find two of them, Samuel Cochran and Karsten Rom. Yeah, they seem like they got through the whole ordeal relatively unscathed. The Lantern reported that Samuel Cochran, who now simply goes by Sam Cochran on Facebook, was a marketing major at the time of the incident. According to his Facebook, he is now married with a child and works as a residential energy consultant. Karsten Rom, who was a finance major at the time of the incident, is now a statistician whatever that is. I mean, I know it clearly includes stats, right? <laughs> but I don't know exactly what a statistician, like what they do. But anyway, he's now a statistician in the greater Chicago area, according to his LinkedIn page. I could not find any type of social media for the third student, Joseph Leonard. So he either like changed his name or maybe is just going by something else on social media, but I couldn't find him. I know that if this happened to me, I probably would be changing my social media name to going by my middle name or something. Okay, that brings me to the next drunken college student story. This one is about 22-year-old Garrett Curran. And if you're anything like me, I feel like you might even feel a little sorry for the guy at the end of the day. But maybe it's just me. So Garrett Curran was a student at Worcester Polytechnic Institute, or as I mentioned before, WPI, which is a private research university located in Worcester, Massachusetts. However, at the time of the incident in March 2016, Garrett was actually in Santa Fe, New Mexico for a school assignment or a school project of some sort. Though he was scheduled to be visiting the state for a couple months, I'm assuming it might have been something like an internship or apprenticeship, but nothing confirms that, so I could be completely wrong. <laughs> but I just don't know what kind of college project lasts for that long that isn't, like, 
like an internship. But let's just say that Garrett's time in Santa Fe, regardless of why he was there, was cut short after a rough night, to say the least. I'm not sure exactly where Garrett was staying while he was there, but according to an article in the Santa Fe New Mexican newspaper, it was, I mean, that's literally what it's called. It's called the Santa Fe New Mexican. It was in a neighborhood near Rosario Boulevard. Garrett proceeded to walk home after a night out drinking with friends, but he turned left one block too soon and wandered into a stranger's home at about 3 a.m. where he was not staying. Y'all, this kid was so drunk and incoherent, he literally went into the wrong house and didn't even know it. Once inside, which he walked right in through the front door, by the way, I'll come back to this later, he proceeded to find a room where he could just go to sleep, which is exactly what happened. He somehow found the one room that was occupied by a seven-year-old little girl, and he fell right to sleep on the floor at the foot of her bed. Yes, I'll say it again. This dude walked into the first random room he came to, found a comfy spot on the floor, and passed out. According to the article in the Santa Fe New Mexican, the girl told police that something woke her up, like a noise, I guess, but she said she didn't actually even notice Garrett was in there sleeping on her floor until after she went to get her dad. So apparently it seems like she woke up from maybe a noise, maybe from Garrett coming in, but she didn't. It was dark and so she didn't see him, but she went to get her dad to to basically just tell him that she had woken up. So her dad, though, took immediate action and beelined for his daughter's room to find Garrett lying there. He confronted Garrett and I'm literally picturing an overprotective father going ham on a random intruder. Completely understandable, but according to the father, Garrett initiated a fight once he came to, so the father held him down until police arrived and took him to jail. The father told police that Garrett refused to leave the home, saying, quote, I'm not going anywhere, end quote. If that really did happen, I imagine it sounded more like I'm not going anywhere. Like, okay, maybe I can't sound like a good drunk person, but I imagine it didn't sound very normal. It was more like slurred or something. But the father said that is when the fight, more like scuffle in my mind, broke out and the father ended up putting Garrett in a chokehold. He told police that in the quarrel, Garrett, quote, might have hit his head on the wall, end quote. Garrett's lawyer, though, argued that he didn't think Garrett was even in a condition to stand up, let alone try to fight. I have to admit, I'm on the side of the lawyer on that because if you are so intoxicated that you don't even realize you're in the wrong house or that you are literally sleeping in a child's bedroom, then you are probably not able to do much fighting. I mean, I once got so drunk in college that I freaking peed in my closet because I thought it was the bathroom. No, I'm not proud of it. I'm actually pretty mortified that I just admitted that for the world to hear it. But it just goes to show you that alcohol can make you so incoherent that, yes, I can definitely see a person accidentally wandering into the wrong house, especially if you aren't super familiar with the area. Garrett, of course, was from Massachusetts, not New Mexico. Also, according to police reports, The front door lock to the house was apparently flimsy, and there was some slight damage to the doorframe. Well, anyone knows that if a drunk person is trying to get 
anywhere, a little force to get through a door seems completely logical. Everything seems logical when you're that inebriated. Anyway, Garrett's mugshot pictures show him pretty beat up looking, which you can find on my Instagram and see for yourself, with at least two cuts on his forehead and like around his eye, he's kind of bleeding. The little girl and her father, though, were not harmed in any way. That's a very important detail. Garrett was charged with suspicion of breaking and entering, criminal trespass, and child abuse. Child abuse because of the fight that happened in front of the seven-year-old. Before this incident, police confirmed Curran did not have any type of criminal record at all. Again, I couldn't find any follow-up information about what sentence Garrett actually got or, you know, if the charges actually held up, but I'm assuming some of them did not stick. So it just really does look like it was simply a drunken misadventure for old Garrett. Don't y'all think? What do y'all think? You should leave me some comments on my Instagram or Facebook and let me know your thoughts about these two stories. I did, of course, do my due diligence on this case too and searched for Garrett Curran on social media. Lo and behold, he seems to be doing fine on Facebook and I confirmed the info on LinkedIn as well. According to his social media, Garrett went on to graduate from WPI in 2017 with a bachelor's in mechanical engineering. He also earned a master's degree from WPI in fire protection in 2018, and his Facebook says he is now working as a fire protection engineer in Massachusetts. I wonder if he's still drinking. (laughs) Okay, guys, that's the end of Chronicle 8, but what do y'all think of our first episode that's rated a 1? I'd love your feedback, comments, all of it, so please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts and visit my Instagram and Facebook pages at Campus Crime Podcast. Bye, y'all. Campus Crime Chronicles is researched, written, and recorded by me, Nicole Turner, and it's edited and produced by Big Mad Media. Tune in again in two weeks for the next Chronicle.